my name is Lonnie Miller. Um, I work for the Department of Veteran Affairs and I am their Prevention Manager Disruptive Behavior Coordinator for the entire GLA. So um, I've been teaching disruptive behavior for the past 15 years and I've been the coordinator I think for 12. So kind of that's my background. I also have a background of um, 15 years of inpatient psych and about 15, 16 years of emergency room care. So I, my, my background is a little bit varied. So um, with, our, with, with the, the, the morning session, just gonna do a quick slideshow with the slideshow where I'm gonna be asking questions of you and a couple of demonstrations in there too. I'm gonna talk about when we get, we get down, especially when we get down to the point I'm talking about verbal de-escalation, okay? So let's go. So before we talk about understanding violence and Basically, we're going to write down, we're going to talk about workplace violence. And what do you consider workplace violence? A shooting Okay. That's a big part of it. Any kind of clients that you're seeing patients. Okay. So what, 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 what do you consider violence? Assault. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. What did you say? Verbal aggression. Verbal all, aggression. All, all that is workplace violence. And you have to remember what is violence for you may not be violent for someone else. Some people, just someone annoying them could be violent. Some people, you have to really push it. And like you said, um, verbal violence is, I'm sorry, verbal assault, verbal abuse is violence. And a lot of people don't think about that as violence, but it is. Because when you actually go out into a workplace or go out into the public, um, you don't expect people to yell and scream and abuse you, do you? Because I'm one of those people that I, I don't take it. I, I would end an encounter and tell you, you know, come back and talk to me when you feel better. Because I'm, I'm not going to yell at you, don't yell at me. So we're going to talk, we're going to talk, for, talk quickly four different types of workplace violence. Criminal tick, customer to client, actually I meant to client to client, co-worker and personal relations. So criminal intent. Criminal intent is where you have someone who comes onto, comes into a business to commit a crime. They come to steal something. They come to right on the walls, they come to assault someone. That is criminal intent. That person came there to commit a crime. Next one we talk about is that's because the client are client to client. So that's basically when you have a client who, who attacks an employee or actually a client who attacks another client within the area. And um, probably in certain areas, this is probably the largest types of violence that you will actually see. And um, with this one, a lot of times, especially within healthcare, it, it, it's a lot of ethical concerns that are actually there, especially among the staff members, as to um, is this something I should report? Should I say something about this? You know, is, is this normal? And my breakdown on that one is if, the per if it was intentional, it needs to be reported and reported to the proper people, whoever, wherever you are. Which, whoever the property, maybe, it maybe it's the manager, maybe it's the director, or maybe if you have certain agency, definitely the police. But, but, it's, but it's intentional. For me, when it's non-intentional, when it's a person with Alzheimer's or dementia, something like that, I may not report it, but as for the, 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 the team, the team needs to know about it. The team needs to know if this is a different direction for this particular patient. So that, no, no, we need to start addressing that. The last, next one is coworker to coworker. And this is just what it says. This is when two people who work together just can't seem to get along. 
And a lot of times it may start really small and innocuous to just verbal bickering and stuff like that, but it can quickly escalate to actually physical violence. And um, a lot of people think, well, if, not, if, if I'm not involved in this, I don't want to get involved because that's, that, that's them over there. But it's really amazing how quickly um, other workers can get sucked into that kind of violence. Real easy. And all of a sudden, that bickering turns into physical violence, and all of a sudden, people are fighting. And all of a sudden, you're involved because they came out to you and knocked you down, too. Okay? So, you know, employee employee violence needs to be actually reported up the chain of command to people who need to know. Sometimes you can talk to them themselves and say, hey, you know, you all can't do that here. You know, I have to work here, too. This is unsafe. You all, you all need to break this crap up. We can do this. No, go outside on the street and do it. Not in here. The last one we can talk about is personal relations violence. And this one is, as far as I'm concerned, it's probably the most dangerous because it takes, it, it concerns people and their matters of the heart. People who, who have a relationship at home and, and they're not getting along. And one decides maybe I, I'm, I'm going to leave this relationship. So one person goes to work and the other one decides to follow them to work and extract their violence on them at the workplace. And that also there's a lot of collateral damage in that one. There's people who just stand around, don't know nothing about it, and they get hurt. Yeah, that's San Bernardino with um, the elementary school, where the lady and her husband having problems. She went to work. He followed her to work. And he shot her in the classroom full of children, yeah. killed another child, and hurt another one. That's personal relations violence. Um, many years ago in Seal Beach, the beauty shop, that was personal relations violence, and it happens all the time. And it's something actually need to watch out for because you get to protect yourself. Uh, look at some of these, these little types of violence here. And she looked at this particular list. Most people don't let um, clients do this to them. They'll stop, they'll stop it. No, don't talk to me like that, that's not what I'm here for. But it's amazing how many times that this kind of violence happens with coworkers, how we treat each other as coworkers. It's, 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 it's kind of sad, because you would kind of think, as adults, we shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. But it still happens. For, for me, this is like a bullying. You know, this is what the bully does to other people. And sometimes, hey, you need to check them. You need to check them. I mean, my thing is, you can talk to me like this. I don't have to talk to you at all. I'm going my business, but I don't need to deal with you. Look at predatory violence versus effective violence. And predatory violence is violence that's planned. This person knows what they're going to do, who they're going to do it to, and when they're going to do it. There's no emotion in predatory violence. But effective violence is all emotion. This person feels that they've been wronged right here and right now. And they want to extract their violence right here and right now. Um, with predatory violence, usually if there's a weapon involved, they brought it with them. With effective violence, they picked up what was there. They may have taken something from you and extracted that violence. Um, and also with uh, effective violence, a lot of times when it's over, the person will say, God, I'm sorry. I lost my head. I don't know what happened to me. Please forgive me for what I did. On the predatory side, they're not sorry. They meant it. Right. Simple sexual assault. Any kind of sexual contact or attempted sexual contact that occurs without the explicit consent of the recipient of the unwanted sexual activity. <laughs> kind of wordy, but it just kind of means no means no. With sexual assault, no means no. Hey, 
They don't want you going about your business somewhere else. And also remember with sexual violence, most often it's predatory. The person, ha sexual predators don't just wake up Monday morning and decide to be a predator. They've done it before. And they slowly work their way up. And you, they start small and go up. It's called grooming. It's the same thing that uh, predators do to children. Hey, hey, here's a quarter. Don't tell him what we did. This is our little secret. And yet it happens to adults too. And unfortunately, sometimes we fall for it. But how far do you let it go? You also can deal with um, psychological manipulation, physical force, victims who lack the capacity to consent. And those kind of people with, within areas are the people that need to be protected because they can't do anything for themselves. They can't say no, they can't slap you away. And also always remember that um, victims of sexual abuse can be male or female. A lot of people just don't think men can be uh, abused. Yeah, they can. Let's look at some risk factors here. Violent inhibitors. Now, anyone in here have a violent inhibitor? A reason why you don't do violent things? A reason why you just don't slap that person who cut you out in traffic? What's your inhibitor? How about that word up there? Values. Values. Where, where, do you, where do you live your values at? You seem home. You seem what you were taught. But you have to explain not everyone was raised in your house. Not everyone has your values. So some people have different values. Some people don't care about nothing. And they don't care about hurting anyone else. Let's talk about um, other risk factors. Predisposing factors and precipitating factors. Now, predisposing factors are, are the stuff you carry with you every day. How you were raised, your morals, your values, other things. What happened to you yesterday is still hanging on. That's your stuff. You got your stuff, I got mine. Don't know what the others are, it's, it's, it's just stuff. It's specific to hang around with. But on the, I'm sorry, but on the precipitating factor, what's the one thing that can set your stuff off? What's the one thing that happened to you to make you explode? And everyone's different. Some people, it could be something small as a rude clerk, traffic. Some people need to be something larger, but everyone is different. Everyone has a different breaking point. Look at these predisposing factors here. Big things that people don't know about you, you don't know about them. The history of abuse, or violence in the past, substance abuse, weapons, financial stress. Everyone have financial stress? Because if you don't, I want to know who you are and how you got rid of it. <laughs> and people view the world as hostile. No social history. That's the thing you never know about people. What's their social history? Are they uh, lost their inhibitions? Are they confused? Or the big one to me is, do people, do you hear someone say, I feel hopeless. I have nothing left to lose. I'm doing this because it is my means to an end. I see nowhere else out of this. And sometimes that's a cry for help. If that's a cry for help, how do you answer that particular help? How do you answer that call for help? There's no precipitating factors, things that can push someone over the edge. And, and unfortunately, with, with this particular list, it, it kind of falls deep in healthcare. Because in healthcare, when people come to the hospital, do we take control of the situation? Yeah. You know, loss of identity, we may not call them by their name, we call them by their disease. You know, privacy, very few private rooms, especially in the ER. There's, all these beds and you sit in the middle of the room, you know, dignity sometimes, or those gowns, independence. When the big one is lost of choices. Because sometimes you're in our hospital, we don't give people a lot of choices. We say when, where, and how. No, 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 take pee now, I gotta wait half an hour, I gotta chop that. 
Just remember that what you learn today will sometimes affect how you handle situations tomorrow. Let me put on an assessment, just an ongoing assessment of what can happen in the general movement of a day. Um, there's us, what we bring to the situation. There's others, and there's this environment. So let's talk about us first. What's our backgrounds and attitudes and values? What's our prior with some violence? Or have you ever experienced violence before? No, every, every, everyone is different. Now, what does your violence say when you talk to someone? You ever think about that? Are the ever famous that one, one of the biggest things nowadays are uh, on your phone. Th these things, th these things. Someone's talking to you. You're talking to them, and you're doing this. Because I, I've, I've learned you, you can't do both. Either I'm going to text or talk to you. Because otherwise, I'm going to do one. Thing. Otherwise, I'm, I'm talking to you and I'm texting what I'm telling you, and I didn't mean to do. Can't do both. Um, apparel. In, in your normal day with, with dealing with clients, do you ever wear something that can be offensive to them? Because some people don't ever think about that. Because this is Southern California, and you come in here with a Giants t-shirt on, <laughs> that can be to some people. For some people, colors. Some people, hats that endless own hats. Just are you wearing something that can be offensive? Or in your, your, your daily travels, are you wearing something that can be dangerous to you? Ever think about that? How many people were allowed yet around here? Does it break away? Because of you. Do you have a yeah, what did you say? A lanyette. Oh, okay. But he has all things to hang around your neck. Yeah, if, if, if your line yet doesn't break away, that's a chunk chain. Yeah, people, yeah, especially people, I, I know the people you, on their line yet, they, they have their badge, they have several other things, then they have the keys hanging on it. And then they do like this to open the door. Okay, you just put your face right next to that door, someone just walk by and hit you, you know, you don't think, somebody got to think about your, your own safety and, and how you wear what you wear, what you do. Um, and personal space, personal space. What, 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 what is your personal space? Okay, do you have personal space? Okay, because I asked a question, I heard two people say something. So just get to go, what is your personal space? How's your tone of voice? When you're talking to people, what's, how's your volume? Do you yell at them because they're yelling at you? And why are they yelling at you? No, did you ever think maybe they came here? Or they can here, but they were just raised in a house full of 15 people. And if you didn't yell, you didn't hear, no one heard you. Now why are they yelling? Are you using words that can calm the situation? Or are you using words that can inflame the situation? Because a lot of times, it's not just what you said it is, how you said it. And a lot of times it's not even that, it is 
what you said versus what they heard. Because sometimes what you said isn't what they heard. They heard something totally different. It's, it's like giving discharge instructions and then going back and saying, so what did I just tell you? And you wonder, God, where did you get that from? I didn't say that. I said nothing close to it. <laughs> sometimes you, you just got to make sure they, you two are on the same page with stuff. Let's talk about our things that can push you over the edge in your daily work. Hmm. Equipment that doesn't work. I'm sorry, equipment that doesn't work, hasn't worked, and it's still there. They haven't fixed it. Don't plan on fixing it. I remember we, we were on the north side of campus at one time, and they moved us all to the south campus into a big building, and they took the equipment that didn't work with us. It didn't work here, it doesn't work here, and it's still here. Now, it's news, it's rooms noisy or overcrowded. You know, they want more out of you, but gave you no more time and no more people to do it in. Now, or just the, the particular climate on the unit. How is the climate? Is it hot? Is it cold? What are temperatures like? What are people like? Going to the interpersonal side, people speaking to you disrespectfully, lack of cooperation, needy. You know, a lot of times, that's not your patients, that's your co-worker. You know, your co-worker said, I'm not doing nothing else. I'm just waiting to retire. Mm, make them two people do it. I'm tired. I'm sitting here. This is about others. What do other people bring to the situation? You have to remember with others, you have no control over that at all. Hmm. Don't they have the same predisposing factors as you do? You know, values, background. Again, prior experience with violence. Or what do they consider violence? Now, what was their home life like? Was it violent? Was wasn't it? Maybe they, not everyone was raised in one of those brave bunch households where Alice brought dinner in and everyone sat around and talked. Now sometimes it's, you get what you can where you can. Who gets here first gets the food. If you late, hey, it's over. Other people's body language. Do you read other people's body language? Some people say, but I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people walk into that, that big old waiting room and never read the temperature of the room. So, hmm, these people are a little bit upset out here. Hmm. Maybe I need to say, tell a joke to calm down before I talk to them. That's how you got to read the room, read the temperature of the room. No, people are agitated, people are um, acting suspicious. One of my, my bigger ones is behavior that doesn't match what they say. You know, you, you, you see someone walk and they, they walk upset, they sound upset, and they're loving to themselves. And you ask them, what's the problem? They look, oh, God, everything's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Do you believe what you saw? Or do you believe what they just told you? Um, talking loud, shouting, cursing, swearing, people calling mistreatment. The people who stayed applied to hurt others. If you hear it, what are you going to do about it? Listen about the environment. And the environment's a really big piece because um, how many people actually in your work area or just in general look at what can be a weapon? What can be used against you? Well, a lot of people don't until it happens. And then you think about it. Sometimes you think about it ahead of time. Because I, I, I just love when I, when I walk into a unit, a brand new unit that they just opened, and I kind of walk and say, who designed this place? <laughs> no, that don't need to be there. No, that don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, when someone gets hurt, they say, remember, I told you first. You should have done that. No, potential weapons. What are potential weapons? No, arrangement of furniture. And what kind of furniture? Especially um, people with offices. How's the furniture arranged? Who has better access to the door, you or the client? I always want better access to the door. I want to be able, if something goes down, I want to be able to get out first. I don't want to be on the other side of the room. No, I want to be close to the door where I can get out. And also, if, if I don't know or trust a client, close that door. That door stays open completely. I can lower the voice and know, hip of this, hip of that. I can, I can lower my voice to talk to someone. <laughs> but if something goes down, I don't be the one trying to grab a donut. Mm-mm. Straight out, quickly. Um, blind spots in areas. You know, corners that you can't see around that you walk down. I've learned that um, when I know that there's blind spots in I've walked down the middle of the hallway, never along the door, so that no one can just jump out and grab. You know, dangerous hardware. One of the big one is um, communication equipment. You know, are there panic alarms? Is there a number to call to get help? And, and if there isn't, if you work in a work area, has anyone ever thought about code words? You know, maybe the word is zebra or checkered envelope. If someone asks for a particular thing that, okay, I need that checkered envelope, you're telling someone else that I need some help here. This is getting kind of out of control. So the other people in the area know that, well, let's go and support this person and we'll all go walk in the room and make sure nothing goes down. Because I, my, my always thing was, if you hurt one of us, you're gonna hurt all of us. No, we, we're one big group. If you're gonna take one of us out, you gotta take us all because we're all coming after you at like one time. We're all, we're just being together here. You know, uh, environmental obstacles. And environmental obstacles for me is what's between me and the door. When I walked in this room, the first thing I scoped out was, hmm, what's the closest way out? And who do I have to go over to get there? <coughs> you know, there's two doors and look at it. Even for me, when I go out to restaurants, I, it got to the point that I'll look for the exit. Now even if I have to, where is the kitchen? I can go out the kitchen. Which is the closest way out of here? No, it's the rooms where we're crowded. You know, where do people have to park at? Communication again, how's communication? Just temperature of the room. Too hot, too cold. Sometimes the color of the room. Because colors can set people off too. No, you, 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 would, you would never go into, um, it should be our mental health units, our emergency rooms, our waiting rooms, and see red walls. No, no. You should never walk in there and see Jerry Springer on the screen. No, that just, just, that just pushes, that just pushes it. Um, again, time of day. Early, late, shift change, close to closing. What's happening during the time of the day? Some environmental solutions. Um, administratively, it should always be that physical, sexual, emotional violence is unacceptable. We don't allow it here. No, we do not allow it here. It don't happen here. And if it does, 
someone's taking someone's taking action about it. Can't let it happen. Can it happen to with, with um, clients and our staff members. On the personal side, just never isolate yourself with a client that is um, upset or you don't trust. Don't ever take that client down the hall around the corner to talk to them in private. No. Because if something ever happens, if you yell, will anyone hear you? Or can they find you if they do? My thing is, I can talk to you in this room. We'll pull up in the corner here and we'll lower our voices and talk. But I'm making sure that you know, there's other people around and I have a way out. Um, always use the buddy system if, you want, if, if you're in the area and you don't feel safe, don't go by yourself. Take someone else with you. Here it says, never allow transport. And what is meant by never allow transport is don't let anyone transport you. Do not let anyone kidnap you. Don't let anyone snatch you into a car. If they sit, if, they, if you, someone walks up to you and stick a knife in your back and tell you, come with me, don't yell, don't scream, I won't hurt you, what should you start doing? You need to yell, scream, dance, fall on the floor, throw a fit, whatever you need to do, don't let them take you. Because usually when this happens, these people don't want to be seen anyway. And the minute you start displaying yourself and screaming and yelling, they're gone. And even if they do decide to stab you on the way out, don't you want to be stabbed someplace where someone's come and help you? Instead of them putting you in the back of the car that mm, at that point, mm, mm, and they're going <laughs> to behind the old North church that no one's ever going to find for six, seven months. Fight for yourself where you can, when you can. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be the shrinking violet. That, oh my God, if I just sit here, they won't see me. They're not going to do anything. Mm, nope. Nope. Open your mouth up so I yell, start screaming, make a, make a scene. And again, always trust your instincts. If your instinct tells you something's wrong, something's wrong. And if you don't feel safe, leave. If you get it, like, if you ever, do, people do home visits. When you walk up to the, the house and you get that ick, ick feeling, don't go on the door. Don't even knock on the door. Mm -hmm. Walk back on down. Call them and say, we just have to meet someplace else. Uh, I don't, I'm not walking in there. No, we got to meet, so we'll meet at McDonald's. Right. I'll buy the burger. Come on down. We're not, we're not, I'm not walking in there. So, so just some, some, some quick thing with social engineering. Um, passwords. Just don't share passwords. Now, it's just too easy for someone to dump something on you. Um, pictures. Now, if you have pictures in your office, you probably shouldn't have pictures of your children. Or your family, you just kind of tell so much about you. Or if you do want to do that, make sure they're very generic. Make sure that they don't have your your, your kids, and no one has a team name on their shirt. Make sure the picture isn't in front of your house. Make sure it isn't in front of your car. Anything. Else. Just make it just extremely generic. Now, behind my desk, I have a picture in a frame, but it's the picture that came with the frame. <laughs> because it's, I, you know, I, I, I like the people I work with, I really do. But sometimes you don't know. So it's a little, that little block there. And um, make sure in your office, on your licenses, make sure your address and your phone number is not posted. Don't. Or with your license, 
change to a post office box. Anything that no one can see. Because if, if you go change to a post office box, even if they look up your license online, which they can, it gives a post office box. It doesn't give a street address. Or make sure the post office box is in another city. On all my, my, all my stuff right now, I have my work address on it. So yeah, come look for me here, <laughs> if you can find me. Um, also with um, social media, just um, social media is a wonderful thing. Just be very careful about friending people. Just be very careful about who you friend. Don't ever friend patients or clients. And um, don't friend coworkers that you don't really like or don't really know. <laughs> don't. There's just a whole lot of messy stuff. And just another one you ever think about is um, when you call in sick and you go to Magic Mountain, don't post those pictures. Don't, 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 don't post those pictures. Nah, nah. People look and people tell. So we're going to talk about stress levels here. Stress levels and interventions. A bell curve that, show, that shows stress levels going from normal to mild, severe to panic. But on the other side of panic is tension reduction. Just remember, to go up, to, to, to go up this curve, you've got to come back down. It takes just as long to come down as it does to come up. Tension reduction is really important. Let people go through it. You know, just think of yourself, so you're like, last time, what's the last time you were just really upset? You know, how long did it take you to calm down? <laughs> Expect, let's, let's be even more specific. What's the last time you and your spouse had an argument? Okay. And one of you said, don't talk to me, I am still mad. How long did it last? Two hours? Two days? <laughs> and does someone have to go to the Jewish room by Jewish to make up for it? People get upset, let them calm down. Let them come back down to normal. Now, this just shows that bell curve. People go zero to 60 in two seconds. They stay in the panic level a little bit longer. But again, they have to go through the tension reduction. Let them calm down. This is about a normal amount of stress. A normal amount of stress, um, heart rate's normal, field of vision is normal. Um, you can process information. You know, real pretty there, isn't it? This is all there, all nice and pretty in colors. This is when you can use customer service. And, and for me, customer service is always a starting point. I don't care where they were or where they are with it. If I start with customer service, you said I can bring them down to my level so that we can talk. To me, bad customer service can kick it off. Bad customer service can kick it off. So let, let, let's, let's do a little role play here. Who wants to play with me here? You're the customer. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the, the, the worker. We're, we're, she, she's checking in for a procedure. You know something? There's a white line back there. <laughs> Go stand behind the white. Did I call you? Can you get off your phone? Get off behind the white line. <laughs> I'm busy here. You know what? I haven't had about enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, 
Exhale. I'm sorry. Was there anything good in that customer service? Would you all have been a little bit upset? Yes. Okay. And I know, I know you've all seen that happen. <laughs> cable company. Cable company. Sometimes just checking in for a medical procedure at the hospital. So let's let's see. I, I can't leave it like that. I gotta fix it. It's just over now. Good morning, ma'am. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. How can I help you? How can I be of service? Uh, I need to get a, a duplicate license. You do? What happened? No problem. What's your, what's your name? I see you. Yeah. And I see you were, you were not due for another two years, but you lost it, huh? Yes, I did. Okay. What was the difference there? Approachable. What else? Okay. Inviting. Okay. What else? What, what, what made it inviting? Tone. Communication. Okay. You're all going all around it, everything you're going for. Friendly. How about a smile? Oh, yeah. That opens it all up. It's a smile. Thank you. Okay. Give her a hand for help. <laughs> because I realize that no matter how upset and mad at someone I am, if they started with a smile and keep smiling, I can't be mad anymore. I can't. Even over the telephone, if that person on the other end is talking with a smile on their face, which you can actually hear, you can't be mad at them. I called the cable company the other day. I was just hot. Just, just hot as a firecracker because of the service I was receiving. And the person on the other end, she was smiling the entire time. At one point, I want to tell her Stop smiling, I'm mad and I'm pissed off. <laughs> and I want to be, because I can't get mad at her because she was giving such good customer service. You know, she kind of made up for all the other people I talked to who had pissed me off to begin with. But good customer service, big sticking point there. Customer service, you know, allow a person to express concern. You no, know, use a share problem-solving approach. You know, what can we do for you today? You know, be empathetic. You know, the big one is just, just listen. Sometimes just listen to what they have to say to you. Um, a visit, avoid being uh, apologized if it's appropriate. And that uh, follow the problem. To me, that, that's a really big one. Once you tell someone you're going to help them, you've got to do it. And if you find that you can't, Take them to the person who can. Don't send them. Take them. Give that warm hand off. Tell what you've done already so they don't repeat it. You'd be amazed how that changes that person's feeling attitudes. And that big thing of you know, blaming others or saying, it's not my job. Mm, I don't do that. <laughs> no, it's all of our jobs. It's all of our jobs. I mean, if it's complete, but I can, I can start it for you again, or I can take you to the person who can definitely help you. Let's talk about a, a, a moderate amount of stress. You know, we're kind of, kind of going up this ladder here. With a moderate amount of stress, you know, people's senses start pushing in on them. They're more focused on the here and now. Heart rate goes up. You know, that, that altered thinking kicks in a little bit here. Maybe a voice change. 
people start talking uh, faster, you may see small changes. Um, to me, this is, it, it is, yeah, like things have happened before. You, you, you walk in, you, you, you already, your child is sick. And you just drop your, your, your teenager off with your child to the emergency room, and you're gonna go and park the car. And after finding a place to park in the parking structure that is half a block away because there's nothing close, and you, you walk all the way back and you, you can't find the emergency room. So what, what, what are you doing? You're freaking out, aren't you? You, 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 you're just freaking out. No, that's where these people are. They, they don't. Can you? Can these people can't find what they want? At this point, you no. Know, maybe someone needs to stop and say, "How does it feel when someone stops and say, hey, you look at me. Can I help you?'" And you tell them where you want. They say, "Oh, well, you know, is go out that door and turn right, and go down the the, the, the block and turn left, and you you you'll see it." Do you want that, or do you want someone to say, you know something, I'm going that way. Let me just take you. So what do you think the difference is there? None? Would you rather be taken someplace or someone just tell you to follow? Because you know, at that point, you're not gonna follow what they say anymore because you didn't hear it. Because right. you're, you're just out there. At, at a, a, a um, Moderate amount of stress. Sometimes you want to call, call use a skill called verbal de-escalation. And to me, verbal de-escalation at this particular point in time is a point that sometimes you need to ask people to do what you need them to do because they're kind of up here and they're talking loud and they may be yelling and screaming or doing whatever. Sometimes you say, um, you know, what I really I need you to calm down. I never say calm down. Because people that, this is calm. I'll show you what I got. No, uh, could, you, could you lower your voice for me? Because I can't hear you. Could you stop talking so fast? Because I can't help you when I can't hear you. Or, or another one is, listen, why don't we have a seat here? So you can tell me what's happening. Because a lot of times when you get someone to sit down, what happens? They calm down? Yeah, it is really true. When you get someone to sit down, they calm down, but you have to sit with them. You can't stand over them because it's, it's just that, that complex there. You gotta sit with them. And if they stand back up, sometimes you need to stand back up with them to get them to sit back down again. I need you to verbally de-escalate me. Okay? <laughs> Excuse me, do, do you work here? I just got this in the building, and, and, and they want their money back, and I, and I spent it. They, they said they'd give me too much money for years. So can you calm down? I can't. I can't really understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so what I meant to say, I meant to say, can you slow your tone, please, or can you slow down? I'm talking a little too fast for me. Okay. But that came naturally. I'm sorry. <laughs> But he got my attention there, and did he raise his voice to my level? He didn't. He stayed calm with us. So we can't go where they are. We have to bring them down to us. So you need to just kind of never speak up. And if you need to, sometimes lower your voice up. 
stay calm, don't look excited. And, get and sometimes you have to ask them more than once to do what you need them to do. Why? So they can understand. Because mm. they might not be in the moment. Then. They're not in the moment. And when you're not in the moment, you're not listening. Yeah. So you have to need to say what you said several times to get them to listen. Thank you. Again, with de-escalation, you know, encourage them to talk. Validate the experiences. Sometimes ask them open-ended questions. Why do you want to ask them open-ended questions? Keep them talking. Keep them, yeah, you get more information. But if you ask someone an open-ended question, what do you need to be willing to do? Listen. Say it really loud. Listen. Because you know, do you know people who have that I can't listen disease? They ask you a question, then they attempt to answer it. No, sometimes you gotta just sit there and listen to what they have to say. Because somewhere in their rambling, they can tell you what the problem is. And if you're not listening, you missed it. But once you hear what the problem is, you can stop them and say, oh, what I hear you saying is you're here because Aunt Sally brought Uncle Frank and Uncle Frank bought that little dog needs suddenly ate your glasses. Is that what it is? You can say yes or no, then we'll go back to what it is for. Once you hear that, you can say, oh, Okay, now I know what you're here for, um, collaboration. I don't fix glasses. But let's go to optometry where they can help you and take them there. But again, you have to listen. Support reality and support of fashion. Don't make promises you can't keep. Don't say I can do something for you when you really can't. That, 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 that just, that, that's, that's going to bother someone, yeah, and, and quickly. You know, identify the problem. Give them all the information that they, that they need for this. And um, sometimes you need to create an action plan. You know, to me, an action plan is I need you to do X, Y, and Z so I can do this. So it gives them something to do to occupy them to hopefully while you attempt to get, get your job done. Maybe, maybe something I'm bring back to you in a week or two. But still, they have a, they have a project they need to work on. You know, get, get them something to do that for. Always remain calm and look like you're in control. Don't look as frazzled as they feel. Because when, you look, when, you, when you're trying to find out some information and they look like they're just as flushed as you are, you know, it's like, listen, let me get you a cup of coffee. So maybe you can sit down now, now you can help me. Calm down a little bit. No. Again, personal space. Maintain personal space. Um, we'll talk about support, uh, supportive body dynamics a little bit later. Now, always convey a willingness to help if you can. For me, showing open hands is really, really, really important. You know, people are paranoid out there. And they're thinking, either you don't care about me or what you got in your pocket to hurt me with. Or this, what you got behind your back. Show your hands. And um, eye contact. For me, eye contact, again, is really important. I know culturally, for a lot of people, they don't like looking in, people looking them in the eye because it, it, it's, it's, against their, it's, it's against their culture. But um, when I'm talking to someone, especially about something that I kind of consider important, and usually sometimes their health is really important, 
I look at them in the eye because I want them to look back in my eyes so they see that, no, um, I'm telling you what I know, I'm telling you the truth. Because for me, looking, the eyes are the windows of the soul. If you're going to lie to me and I'm looking in your eyes, usually I can see it. And maybe I don't want to talk to you anymore because now I don't trust you. It's like, for me, it's, it's like, would you ever buy a used car from some man when he's talking to you about the car, he's doing this, and he's doing this. He's doing everything but looking at you. Would you? No. To me, sometimes about Thomas, things that are important for some people is the same thing. You need, you need to look at them in the eye. Let them know exactly how, uh, how important it is. So we're talking about verbal skills here. And, and we're talking about, um, we just got finished with, with the moderate amount of stress. Don't forget with these verbal skills, they also really work well as far as telephone skills go. Because if, you're, if someone call you on the telephone and, and they're being really rude and pushy, sometimes you can tell them with these skills, no, I really need you to kind of de-stress a little bit because I can't hear what you want when, when, you are, when you're yelling at me and when you're treating me so bad over the telephone. Can you slow down this? Tell me what you want. Tell me what I can do for you. Because you yelling back into the telephone, eh, it, it, it doesn't work usually. Occasionally it does. I, I just remember way back when I, I was working in the emergency room, I had called this doctor at home because we had this patient in the ED. And, and he started yelling at me over the telephone. I think, bam, bam, I hit the phone call. I said, who are you yelling at? And actually, a couple of other words were in there between the two of us. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm on my way down there. And I said, good, look for me, Cliff. <laughs> well, well, actually, he, he did come in. And he did walk to the ER. And I stood there. He refused to confront me, but that was all right. But then also, I kind of learned that the way I approached that was wrong. He was wrong, too, but I was wrong for jumping back. I know I needed to, at that time, learn to calm down and, you know, I called you because of your patient and do you want to hear what's wrong with your patient or should I call you later? Yeah, if I, yeah the thing is, if I call you later, I'm calling your chief first before I call you back. But, you know, maybe I can call you a little bit and give you five minutes to maybe wake up. Then maybe we can talk about this particular patient, what you want to do about the patient. Now, go that, let's talk about a severe level of stress. With the severe level, as you can see, all your senses are being pushed in. These people are tunnel vision. They only focus on one thing. People in this particular frame of mind, they only need one person to talk to them. Because that's all they can listen to is one person at a time. And whoever, probably whoever knows the person best, probably should be the one that to communicate with them. Now, this is when the behavior is going to be really hard for you to do your job to help him or her. Loud, threatening, cursing, boastful. Now maybe they are violating the policies of your area. Now maybe they are approaching others are what they really do is avoid others, avoid contact with other people. They won't, they won't um, respond to redirection. A lot of times, especially if, a lot of times you get to know your clients and you realize that this is a really big change of behavior for them. Normally they come in, or you go and you visit them, and they're really nice and they're courteous and they're dressed really appropriately. You visit them this time and they look like they haven't slept in four days and they're close to gravity. Sometimes you gotta think about 
What happened here? What changed? What changed here? Maybe we need to work on that. You know, people whose behavior is totally inappropriate for the situation. People who are yelling and screaming and throwing a hissy fit, and you ask them why, and they say, well, you know, that green jello can't stand it. It's, trust me, it's not the green jello. It was something else, else that pushed them over the edge, and the green jello was just, just what they decided to act out on. During severe level stress, you may want to employ a skill that's called limit setting. And limit setting is a difficult skill to learn. Um, with limit setting, you need to be really simple and direct in your approach to it. Sometimes just describe desired behavior you want. And make sure it's appropriate for the situation. Um, sometimes you need to state consequences. I never state consequences when I limit set someone. Because if they don't know what the consequence is, then why should I tell them? They know what it is. They've been down that road before. And always be progressive in nature. With limit setting, um, you know, sometimes it's really hard for me to say, but sometimes women are better at this than men. <laughs> and why do you giggle? <laughs> because a, a lot of times with limit setting, a lot of times people learn this when they have children. Right. And women tend to be home with children a little bit more than men do. But with, with, with limit setting is, once you tell the child, um, no, you cannot watch TV until you've done your homework. So you've set a limit there. But the child doesn't want to do the homework, and they keep coming up to you and bugging you and bothering you and bugging you, and you're trying to cook dinner, you're trying to talk on the telephone, do other things, and just, just get around your leg, and you say, listen, just leave me alone and go outside. <laughs> what have you just told that child? What was that? Now, what else? Yeah, basically, you just told you, I have no power here. I have no power. You just took all the power. So when you set limits, you have to be, you, you need to stick to it. And you need to be willing to go there. Even with adults, when you set limits with adults, you need to be willing to go there. Because if, if, if I was to tell you, um, because of your, the limit, if, if, if you don't change your behavior and, and stop doing what you're doing, you can't go out and smoke. So I told them what I want, what, he, what I need the person to do, or you can't go outside and smoke. And once I say that, I need to stick with that. If the behavior doesn't change, you don't go outside. That's all that's to it. And, and um, most places I've worked, we, we've always had this, this rule with limit setting, is whoever set the limit is the only one who can break it. So if I tell someone that they cannot go outside because of their behavior, when they go to you and, and tell you they want to go outside because of whatever, whatever, and I'm just being mean and ugly and nasty, she's going to say, well, you need to go back there and ask him. Uh, he's, the one who he's the one who took your privilege away. You need to go back and talk to him. And it, it really worked well. So we always made, had a big board and we wrote them. The person was on limit set on the board and put who put it up there so they'll know, yeah, 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 go on talk to him. 
Don't, don't, don't get me involved in this. You broke the rule. They set the limit. And I said, always make sure whatever limit you set is enforceable. Don't set a limit that you cannot keep. Don't tell someone, if you don't stop yelling and screaming, I'm going to drag you outside this building and whoop your tail in the parking lot. Unless you're willing to do it. <laughs> if you're willing to do it, more power to you. That's one I wouldn't say. You know, it's just because I, it, it's, it's messy and kind of going through the door and no. But you know, set limits that you can definitely keep. If your behavior doesn't change, you may have to miss your appointment today. If you just stop yelling and screaming, the doctor's not going to see you. Or you know, if they keep it up, you know, maybe you have to move your appointment back. To me, always the, the last thing I ever use is, we're going to cancel your appointment today, and you need to come back another day. Or, the, or for me, the really top level is, is, if you don't, behavior doesn't change, we're going to call the police to remove you. A lot of times when I teach this class, I'm talking to the audience, that's the first thing they say. We're calling the Popo Dagobah there. No, 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 no. That's the last. Let's start somewhere else, and let's work our way up to that, because hopefully, you don't have to go there. And also, if I ever do need to call the police, I never tell them I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> Why give them a chance to misbehave more and yell and scream? No, I just feel the telephone and call them and let them show up. Then they kind of wonder what happened. And also, the police can walk in and see what they were doing. Bye. I told you you need to calm down. Bye. Yeah, I'll make an appointment for you next week. <laughs> Call me. Also, with limits, when you do limit setting, you need to be really clear in your demeanor when you do it. Um, I can't limit set someone when I'm just as stressed out as they are. I can't limit set someone when I know that my head is all full with gunk and I, you know, you, you drive to work and the traffic on the 405 is just, mm. And then you get to work and there's six messages on your door and then there's 15 minutes on the telephone and you walk in the door and someone is already yelling screaming. No, I, I, I can't do that because I know I'm gonna take all my stress out on them. So I need to calm down before I do that or I need to send them to someone else to deal with the particular problem at that moment. You know, you can come back and talk to me in about 30 minutes after I had a cup of coffee and a glass of water and a Valium and then we can talk. <laughs> But at this particular moment, I'm not the one you want to talk to. Um, you always want to, when, when you set limits, you always need to be really respectful and civil. I'm going to have to see these people again. I'm going to have to see this person again. Do I want them to remember the person who disrespected and called them out on their stuff and called them on a lot of other stuff, or the person that they remember who told them, you know, as soon as your behavior changed, this is all over. You know? I'm really sorry about what happened, but as soon as you, kind of bring yourself down a little bit, we can talk about this. Or this can all be over right then and there. But once you get to disrespectful with people, they remember that. They will remember. And trust me, it will come back to play one day. It will. Guaranteed. Seen it one too many times. You know, um, avoid things to be right. Don't be the person to say, yeah, you know, I told you, I, you, you, I, you knew you were wrong. No, don't go there with it. You know, don't respond to people pushing your buttons. 
don't respond to people. Because once they find out what your button is, they will push it every time they come in until you learn to change. And I learned to change many years ago. It is, it was, I was working at the ER this night and it was busy. It was busy, the room was packed. And it, it was a small hospital and all the beds were packed and the waiting room was full. And it was up 2.30 in the morning, I came on at seven and by two, we hadn't stopped to eat anything. So, you know, your stomach is starting to growl and spit. All you've had was a couple of cups of coffee that's putting you on the edge and you haven't eaten anything. And this particular lady decides to bust through the doors, not through the emergency room doors, through the regular doors, and she is yelling and screaming about her sister in the waiting room, rolling on the floor in pain. And she just got me at that moment because I guess I was the first one she came to. I jumped up and we went at it. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the doctor got all the way. The nurse I was working with got all the way. The nursing supervisor who was down the hall refused to walk in this door because they had gotten that bad. And we, we, we just went at each other. And about five minutes in, I guess I just, it, it just, and I just looked at her, and we both looked, and we both started laughing. And we both kind of like, why are we acting like this? And that kind of became a moment of clarity that I can't do this. Now, I've got to find another way to handle these particular situations. Either that or I'd make sure we eat earlier than this. <laughs> but that was the moment for me that I can't particularly act like this. I've got to find another way to de-escalate people and de-escalate myself from going there. Because you know, we can all go there, can't we? We can all go there. We have to make sure that no one's going to push us that far that we know to back out before we get that direction. At that point, I need to back out and let someone else handle it. Um, just don't bring up the past. And if you can, be as flexible as possible. With limit setting, it's a, um, it's a really kind of an advanced skill. It's, really, it's way different than verbal de-escalation. It's um, really different customer service and just requires, like I said, a keen awareness of yourself. Just make sure that you aren't hanging out there as far as they are. Remember how with verbal de-escalation, sometimes you have to ask people to do what you need them to do? With limit setting, you tell people what you need them to do. Either you stop yelling at me or I can't help you. You keep treating me like that, I'm leaving. And whatever limits you set, be willing to go there. Panic level. Red, danger. This is, the, this is the part that becomes the most dangerous for people. And doing a panic level, these people aren't thinking at all. Emotions gone out of it, thoughts gone out of it. These people are in a fight or flight mode. They're not processing nothing. They're either, like, they're either going to sit, fight someone, or they're going to run away. Or some people just totally shut down. This one, I want to use some personal safety skills. And one of the biggest personal safety skills I can, I can ever tell someone is personal space. It's personal space. 
Hmm? Sit down. Hmm? Start walking toward me. Could you stop? Just stop right there. Okay. What can I do if you do? What's the problem? Uh, I gotta use a restroom. <laughs> hmm. Very personal problem. It's a fat doll in another building. But if I stop him here, can he hurt me? Can he hit me? Can he kick me? If he had a cane or a crutch, I will stop him further back. And from here, even if I don't like what he's saying, I have three, I have three steps ahead of him to start getting out the way. Personal space. Stop someone at a decent space that they think can't help you, but we can still talk. Thank you. Personal space is a real big one. Stop them before. We can talk from here, but I said this is that you can't get hurt. Um, also, always in the back of your mind, know where the exits are. If I need to get out this room, how can I do it quickly? Gotta go, gotta go. Know which way you're going. And you always wanna, um, I would prefer for you to have a plan of escape, because I really wouldn't, if someone was to attack you or even hit you, because maybe you didn't stop them far enough back, um, but really don't want you to hit them back. But why, why shouldn't you hit them back? You just make matters worse. Uh huh. And? You lose your job. What was that one? That's the big one. Yeah. That's the big one. But you said it's true. It's the quickest way to ever lose your job oh, yeah. is to hit yeah. someone back. It is. And, and it, it, it always works out. This, this could happen in a crowded room. The minute he hits me and I hit him back, I guarantee you, over half of you only saw me hit him. You didn't see the first part. So when they come to do the investigation and they ask you what happened, you can say, well, mine just hit him. He just bit him to the ground. <laughs> that's not exactly what happened, but that's all you saw. And that's all they're gonna work off of the fact of, I hit first. I don't ever wanna be accused of being hit first. So my thing is, I'm gone. And if I need to come back and talk to him about his behavior or anything else, am I going back by myself? No. Who am I taking with me? <laughs> you don't take a buddy, you take a group of people. It is called a show of force. It's, I'm the, if I have 12 people, I take the 12. <laughs> a good group, and we're gonna walk back and we're gonna talk and I'm not gonna yell, I'm not gonna scream, I'm not gonna be accusatory. My thing is, the behavior you do exhibited, we don't allow that here. So number one, besides missing your appointment because of your behavior, we also did call the popo who are gonna come out and talk to you about what you did. If you wanna hang around, you can. If you don't, you know, don't mind me. But you know, it's been reported and they know about it. And when you report it, just make sure you report it in all the appropriate places or whatever agency you work for. I know with, for us, we have certain reports that we have to fill out when one of those happen. And you know, people just say, well, I don't want to do that because it just takes too much time. Well, actually, it doesn't take too much time. And do you want to take the time to fill it out and protect yourself? 
or do you want to for them to hear everything that he has to say about it? Protect yourself. Fill the paperwork out. Fill the reports out. Also, what you, one thing you need to do is make sure other people know what that person's been capable of, what they did right now. Because what they did right now, they've probably done in the past, and they're going to do again. So now it's charted that they get upset and he hits people. So maybe the next person will stop him even further back down the line. Or when he comes in, you're never going by yourself. There's a couple other people with you. Now he knows that he's going to have to hit all three of us. And that's probably not going to happen. After panic, like I said before, we go through tension reduction. Let the person come back down to normal. Let them come back down to where they normally are. The physicists are going to come back, but it takes time. And give them this time it takes. And with this time, you may want to do something that's called therapeutic report. They're paying apart. You know, help them save face. Help them save their dignity. You know, it's not the time to say, God, what you did was just ugly. You just showed your tail all over the place. Ah. You know, maybe it's, it's, I'm really sorry about what happened. But, but as soon as you calm down, all this will be over. And it says here, um, even if you never see this patient again, someone else will. Just kind of scratch that out. Because you're going to see the patient again. And again, what do you want them to remember you as? The person who called them out on the behavior, fought with them or whatever, or the person who tried to who, who calmed them down and was very respectful to them when they did it. So let's let's, let's step back a bit. Let's talk about um, sexual behaviors and, and staff response. Um, just remember that it can involve psychological coercion, especially with um, a, a someone who's higher up in the company who comes down and they they they're, they're messing with you and you don't appreciate it. You could deal with physical force and those people who lack capacity to consent. And to me, when I think about the people who lack the capacity to consent, everyone kind of thinks of the mental health patients and, and the older people. I, th those are great, that's true, but neither. The biggest part that people need to protect are those people in surgery. These people that, who, that you have put under and can completely cannot protect themselves. We can make sure that we don't let something happen to them. And again, just remember that sexual predators work along a scale. And they, start, they usually start small and work their way up. And at what point do you turn on the red light to stop them? And what do you say to turn the red light on? You know, with staring, um, someone is staring at you inappropriately, undressing you with their eyes. Yeah. What would you say to someone Who's doing that to you and you don't appreciate it? Excuse me, may I help you? My face is up here. <laughs> okay. Because may I help you could lead to a whole lot of stuff. But my face is up here kind of defines it. Anything else? That's a really big one. I don't appreciate you looking at me like that. Stop. What you're doing isn't is it nice. No, I don't appreciate it. Don't do that here. Say something. Because if you don't say something, what have you just told this person? It's okay. It's okay. Keep it up. I'm game. What do you say to someone who's, how, how do you get someone out of your personal space when they've invaded it? No, you need to step back. They take a step back, you know. No. My space, you know, a little bit here. No. Don't need to be that close. 
And um, next, what would you say to someone who's telling jokes that you find inappropriate and demeaning and you that offend you? Remember that if they're telling you inappropriate jokes, do you think they're telling other people inappropriate jokes? Mm -hmm. So maybe you maybe you approach this person as a group and tell them, we do not appreciate it. We don't want to hear that anymore. And maybe that would be a little more festive, you know. Take those jokes home. Take those jokes to the bar. Tell someone else we don't want to hear it here. And just be really solid about that. We don't want to hear it here. And if it continues, then if you pull out that piece of paper, make sure you, you write them up and take it to HR about how offensive this person is being. I'm more touch and, 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 and rape can be, um, that's just over. Usually, someone's missed something down the line. Someone's missed something down the line. If you walked into a room or whatever, and you actually saw a, a either two patients, patient staff, 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 having sex, would you be willing to report it? And, and, and to me that you're willing to report it because number one, this isn't a place for that. You know, get a room. It's too easy to go out and get a room. Go to your car. <laughs> Actually, for, for me, it's, it's go to your car and take your car off base. <laughs> and do that someplace else. It's just, it shouldn't happen. And also the fact that, do you really know if someone's being raped or not? Do you, how do you know it's consensual? To me, report it. For me, the police get paid a little bit more money than I do to dig into stuff like this, so let them deal with it. So, you know, after an incident has happened, not just sexual, just any incident has happened, um, you need to make sure that you take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will, will they? So we're talking about real quick three, self-care debriefing and we Important. So self-care, which you immediately care. If, if you need to take care of your physical safety or your mental safety. If you need to go to an emergency room to have something taken care of, please do. Please do. Get yourself taken care of. If you are so stressed out mentally from what happened and you need to talk to a mental health professional, talk to someone. Um, maybe not a mental health professional. Maybe you need to talk to a friend. Maybe you need to go and talk to your pastor at church. Maybe you call a psychic or something. But sometimes people, you need to talk to someone. You do. I just know with, with our agency, um, we actually have mental health services for our employees that if they need it, it's there for them. Now debriefing. After an incident, um, incidents need to be debriefed. And usually, the sooner happens, the sooner after the incident, the better. You know, sometimes um, um, administration will assign someone to debrief it. Sometimes they will. Sometimes, just as a group, you need to debrief yourself and talk about your feelings about what happened. Um, during this debriefing, never put blame on someone. No. All we want to talk about is what happened and. Can we improve on, if someone has this again, can we improve on the, the outcome? Can we make this outcome a little bit better? 
maybe we should have caught this a little sooner because of we saw the escalating behavior. We should have caught this a little sooner. Maybe we could have medicated him a little bit earlier to keep him from whatever happened, happened from happening. But um, debriefing is really important. And if you need to talk to others and witnesses, please do. You know, don't, um, don't fault find. Always fact find. You know, there, there, there's some um, studies that show that within in the healthcare sector, only 20% of the workplace violent incidents is actually reported. That means 80% of what happens gets unreported, goes unreported. That's a real big chunk of what happens. So the, the, the group that usually deals with this kind of behavior or this kind of stuff that you report, they can't do their job or do anything about it because they don't know. They don't know. And two of us talking among ourselves are we're talking at this table about what happened. That's, that's not reporting. That's talking among ourselves and just kind of passing information. Sometimes you need to pass this up the chain. Now, th these are behaviors that, you, that need to be reported. Verbal abuse, physical acting out, no threats to harm self or someone else. That's a big one. Once someone threatens you, you got to report that. Especially if, 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 if it's a serious threat. You know, self-injurious behavior, definitely possession of weapons, sexual and racial harassment, and again, domestic violence that impacts the workplace. Important. Make sure people know about it. Um, these are kind of sexual behaviors that kind of need to be reported. Kind of, I'm sorry, definitely need to be reported. <laughs> you know, rape using a body part, rape using an object, attempted rape, fondling threats to rape, molesting, sexting, and, and coercion. Especially, you know, sometimes people don't want to report the sexting bit. But, um, you know, people sending you pictures of body parts and, and little nice, nasty notes in there, you got to report that. Because, again, if they're doing it to you, they're probably doing it to someone else. you got to do something to stop it. Me personally, I, I, I don't want to see that. No. Thank you all. You were really good on this.